Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Welcome to the Pants Party. I am Harrison Starr, hosting alongside the recently later host, uh, Benjamin Ross. Ben, how you doing? The Beer Baron of Chicago. Oh, man. I had myself a weekend, and so did the Hawkeyes. Um, you know, uh, if you guys want to see me in my finest leather skivvies, you can't, because I'm not going to share my Instagram handle on here, because... Nobody needs to see this face, and nobody needs to see that much skin um, of me. Great weekend. Hawks had a great time. I had a great time uh, at Chicago's Oktoberfest in the Lincoln Square neighborhood. Uh, Plenty of beer and laughs to go around this weekend. Harrison, how was uh, Fayetteville for you? I did not actually go to Fayetteville. Just stuck around Bentonville. Big... Uh, very easy to confuse because there. Oh, I, I are, thought like, you said you went to Fayetteville earlier. So oh no, 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 that was last uh, week, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah that was last week. Yeah. We just stuck around uh, downtown Bentonville, wanted to check out the sports bar. Uh, it was pretty good, a lot of fun, cheapest beer in the square, which you know is uh, kind of easy to do when they're three dollar Miller Lights. Um, Dude, that's but, even kind. Of, wow, three dollars for Miller Light—that's like the cheapest you can find in Chicago. I yeah, seen, there's not like a dollar beer place. I could I actually I think I could have gotten old style for a dollar there, but I'm oh, like, baby. Uh, I was like I wasn't really feeling it, uh, so I just went with the middle light. Had a nice patty melt watching Arkansas lose right after watching Iowa win and Nebraska shit the bed. That's always fun. What is? Did you pick up a taste for Lone Star when you were in uh, Texas? I did. I really like it, um, but my taste for Miller Light combined with Christina's taste for Miller Lite and our overall lack of supply of White Claws at the time while we were in Dallas led to mainly Miller Lite as our go-to beer. But Lone Star, I do appreciate. I really like it. Can you find it? Is it readily available in Arkansas? Uh, I believe it just came to Chicago within the year. I would imagine it is, but Ben, let me tell you, I've been on such a seltzer kick that I just cannot stop. So how are you uh, weathering this White Claw shortage right now? National shortage of White Claw we got, boys and girls. Stock up, because uh, Hurricane Dorian is just absolutely demolishing the supply chain. What? Uh, how are you preparing for this? I've been preparing by not getting White Claw. I've uh, found one brand that I've taken a very serious liking to, Mighty Swell, out of Austin, Texas. Interesting. And uh, their multi-pack is as good as I've ever had, um, in my opinion. Uh, The one downside is it's got 110 calories versus 80 or 90 or 100. White Claw's 100, but Bon and Viv, which I had kind of switched to a little bit before, they were like 90. Uh, So, you know, being able to drink that fourth Bon and Viv instead of the three Mighty Swells has been really just my math is going crazy, but Mighty Swell, that's the one I go to. They have a watermelon mint flavor, which I particularly like. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I don't know about their national distribution, um, but 
it has made its way to northwest Arkansas from Austin. Yeah, I can't say I've ever heard of it. Uh, I don't think I mentioned this last week. I was at a bachelor party type deal uh, in Scottsdale last weekend, and we uh, we they ran out of Trulies at the liquor store, and we stopped to stock up. And so, or uh, they ran out of White Claws at the liquor store. We got half White Claws and white, half Trulies. And when I first, when the first White Claw craze started a year or two ago, thought Trulies were the inferior product, and I haven't really had had them since. But since we were forced to drink Trulies, I think they're better than White Claw now. They might have changed up, maybe my taste have changed, but I think the Lemon Truly is the best hard seltzer I've had. Ooh, Lemon Truly? I believe. I believe it was Lemon. Is there, is there like another flavor in there? I think it's just Lemon, isn't it? See, I think Truly's problem is they've like overextended flavors. I had their Tropical, and like everything tasted like aluminum out of those... That four pack. We did buy one pack of Tropical, and I don't think I had any of it. And if I did, I don't remember it. I only remember being kind of blown away by how good all the Truly offerings were. Slightly less carbonated than White Claw, which I think I liked. Um, overall, just tastes a little bit fruitier. I'm a, I was a big fan. Interesting. I think as we kind of progress, and maybe um, this White Claw shortage is maybe an indicator of it, but my fear, if I'm a White Claw... Uh, employee is that White Claw becomes the band-aid, quote-unquote, of seltzers, where people just refer to seltzers as White Claws. I do it all the time, but as I mentioned before, I'm not necessarily always buying White Claws. I'll buy uh, like the six packs of lime for Christina, but um, I'm kind of out on White Claw right now. I'll probably get back in once I come back. White Claw is on the hot seat. So That's interesting. So like from a branding perspective... Like, yeah, I'll take a White Claw Truly. You think that's going to happen? I I think it's possible. Like, I've got cousins in Atlanta who are from Atlanta, and they're like, I'll have a Coke, make it a Sprite. And I'm like, please, reopen up a book, you fucking inbred. You yeah, know what I mean, I mean that, that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of how it goes down in the South. Um, yeah. But, uh, Iowa won. I, I think this is a oh, fun yeah. discussion a, about seltzer. I, Iowa football uh, podcast. <laughs> an Iowa football podcast. A little bit of a seltzer podcast. But uh, an Iowa football podcast. We just got off a 30-0 to zero win uh, over Rutgers. Uh, and, like, it's kind of interesting to go back through the box score. I was really kind of concerned. I had as one of the things I didn't like uh, that we're going to talk about a little later as uh, an inconsistent run game, and then I pull up this box score, and we, we because I'm on the team, had almost 200 yards rushing on 39 carries, basically five yards a pop. Kind of blows my mind, Ben. Like It, it was as thorough a win as you can have and only win by 30 points. I think that's kind of, kind of where I'm standing on uh, Saturday's game. Yeah, it is, I mean, zero points, pitching a shutout against any team is really, really tough. I don't think people really understand how difficult that is. Rutgers didn't cross the 50 until the second half, correct? Um, Maybe they got to like the 48 in the first half. Uh, Yeah, they didn't get past it until (laughs) they did in the second half, and it Mm -hmm. was at the end of the third quarter into the fourth when Ojemudia had his interception. Yeah, so people need to appreciate, first of all, how tough it is to pitch a shutout. I'm not going to say against a Big Ten opponent because I still don't consider Rutgers a Big Ten opponent, but they are a Power 5 team, absolutely. They'd probably be in the middle of the MAC or something. Maybe not, though. We could have that conversation later. 
Um, so I'm really, really happy. The defense played as good of a game as I've seen the Iowa defense play since I've been a fan. The and we can talk about this now. You know, the slightly unimpressive 30 points, which I think is still pretty good for fucking Iowa. 30 points will take it. It's usually going to get a, get you a win when you're playing Iowa football, as we've seen. Uh, I think we score at least two more touchdowns, maybe two more scores, ten more, at least ten more points. Let's say, if not for absolutely abysmal starting field position, I think. In non-garbage time, all but two drives started within Iowa's eight-yard line. Um, that is just not going to cut it. It's like, like Iowa, we should be lucky, thankful we're playing Rutgers. We played Rutgers because we're not going to score 30 points when we're starting that many games in the shadow of our own goalposts. Um, I'm not going to place all the, all the blame on Nico or Ganey. Um, those are tough punts to field, especially it's his first job. He's at, first time he's ever done it. Uh, you have to give credit to Rutgers punter. He was absolutely their MVP. He had 10 punts for 476 yards. Like, oh my god. He nearly had um, goddamn quarter mile uh, with his boot uh, yesterday. <laughs> Would have so, had more if not for the interceptions. Honestly. Um, so I have, I mean, all of my qualms I have with uh, yesterday, because we always have nits to pick, are not really with the performance of the team as a whole or any players in particular. Um, it's, I mean, it, it was a dominating performance, really, and we only scored three points in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, it was 20, the game was in hand, you know, the whole time. We should have scored another touchdown at the end of the first half. That's my biggest gripe. We'll talk about that now or later. Um, I'm just super happy. I, I was really, really disappointed. Not really disappointed. I was really nervous going into the game. I wasn't really happy with how they played against Miami of Ohio at the time. Even after rewatching the game, it, it was still not, not things didn't sit well with me. But yesterday, I've, and I rewatched most of the game, uh, Rutgers game, uh, I don't know what, what kind of major glaring issues you'd have with this team. And even the most pessimistic commenters on our site haven't really said anything either. Yeah, uh, I think the we, we've kind of danced around my favorite thing, but the pitching a shutout to me was a huge deal, especially as you mentioned, like Iowa constantly being inside the 10-yard line, being able to not necessarily flip the field, but to stave off kind of that three and out combined with a horrible punt, and you're screwed, you're basically giving away a field goal 100% on field position. I, I think like kind of that whole piece you know, was was really kind of exciting. Um, Michael Sleep Dalton, who I, I think you kind of throw into there in terms of the defense pitching a shutout, I think that, like, his impact was maybe not totally realized because I feel like just not only was he punting the ball close to 50 yards per, but he was getting some hang time on it. So I, I think the longest punt he had, it ended up being a return of 10 yards, and it was still like a net... 40 to 45 yard punt so to me like that whole deal of just hey not allowing any points I think is a a a huge win um for for this defense because I was a little concerned maybe uh with what we saw um from Miami Ohio we weren't really getting a lot of pressure again we because I'm on the team um but athletes yeah I know uh (laughs) But I think ultimately, like, it was exciting to see Iowa just have such a thorough win that they did. Michael Sleep Dalton, with his heels in the back of the end zone, he had a 55-yarder. Um, and then, like you said, I think it got returned for 10 or 9 or 10 yards for a net 45. 
uh, and he had an, I think he had another 51 yarder. Uh, I mean, that's that's a difference between that's going to that's going to win us at least one game this year. His punting ability, if he's able to do that, um, able to keep that consistently, I I think he's my MVP for Iowa. Um, well, punting is super fucking winning, man, and he he definitely gets. I don't know who did you know this dude? Does Iowa fucking do game balls? For me, if I was handing out game balls, he gets it. Oh well, I, I, I guess this might lead to maybe the second thing I really like. But Amir Smith Marset to me was just he totally gets a game ball. He's my awesome. Idea. Yeah, I mean two touchdowns, both on kind of skinny post routes, setting up the defender, um, not outrunning a pass or underrunning a pass. I mean, I, I think to me. Uh, he would get my game ball, but certainly Michael Sleep Dalton is uh, a strong number two, uh, Sleepy D, if we will. Um, I, I guess uh, the nickname going around uh, Hanson is just Sleepy, but to me, I think Sleepy D is more funny if I'm doing a nickname thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going to take credit for being the biggest Amir Smith Marset stan in the postseason leading up to the season. Um, and I'm really, really glad. He, I was always very nervous that he was going to get put in a drawer um, for one reason or another because, you know, Kirk has said <clears throat> ominous things about him uh, before, but I think he's only earned praise this season. Uh, being able to score two touchdowns uh, against your hometown team, like, fuck yeah. That's, I can't imagine how that feels for that kid, so I'm super happy for him. Uh, I was, you know, we were a little bit nervous that Maybe Oliver Martin might take his touches, but I don't think that's going to happen. Were you able? Did you look at a snap chart? Did you see Martin? How many snaps he got yesterday? Yeah, so I, I did see that. I, I think Jonah forwarded over, but um, Martin had just twenty three. Going back through the rewatch, he it didn't feel like he had a whole lot of snaps, and he only had um, ten against Mount Ohio, right? Yeah, he only so had he's doubling his production. That's fine. That's good. But I think a lot of the snaps he had against Rutgers were um, garbage time, like in there Maybe. with Petri- Petrus. Uh, we just uh, learned how to pronounce his name. Um, oh, but I think uh, wait, that- wait, wait, whose name? Spencer Petrus. There's that content we like. Yeah, <laughs> Spencer Petrus. Uh, <laughs> so um, I-, I think that seeing Amir Smith Marset get get those touches, take advantage of them. Um, Oliver Martin, certainly his presence kind of impacted, I would assume, Smith-Marset's kind of outlook. Like, oh, crap, now I actually have someone who can kind of take my snaps away. And I think that's how we're in, you know, early September. Everything that's been said about him hasn't been about how he's got a spotty record with his phone to Kirk's credit, he's always kind of referred to Smith Marset as a quote football guy, um, and just that they wanted to see him put it together. And you know, uh, credit to him that he never got so disenchanted that he got out of kind of the, the army, so to speak. Um, so that hey, once he kind of put his nose to the grindstone, gained ten pounds. Clearly, he's t- to me, especially after watching a day of NFL, like. If you don't have speed, then you are really not able to bend defenses. And the speed that he provides, and if he can connect on that with catches, and, you know, against Miami of Ohio, he drew a couple flags, probably should have drawn a third. Um, To me, he is maybe the ultimate game-changer on this offense. 
maybe Tyler Goodson, but I think it's kind of a stacked uh, depth chart in front of him. But but seeing Smith Marset really excel and have uh, does he have three touchdowns now through two games or, or just the he had, two? Did he have he had two yesterday? Did he have one against Mount Ohio? Yeah, he did, didn't he? I believe he and, did. Yeah, Smith, yeah, he's got Smith, three, Marset, so he's already yeah, halfway yeah. to your prediction. Fuck. I was really hoping I was going to get all <laughs> takes exposed. But if I did say I think if – or no, I did not say that. I said I think – I was actually pretty confident on it. Um, and I'm super happy to be proven wrong. Um, yeah, I'm all about the friendly competition that hopefully maybe Oliver – the arrival of Oliver Martin um, is in, uh, inspired between the two of them. Uh Always, of course, it's human nature. Of course, it's going to make him better. Maybe uh, Smith Marset needed some guy breathing down his neck to really turn the lights on for him, and that's awesome. Great, I'm really happy for him. Uh, he, tr- we, I mean, have when was the last time I was had a player of his abilities on the team? Really? I mean, if we're going to be maybe super cynical, I, I think like you look at some of the plays that Damon Powell made. Yep, I that's, mean, that's the only guy I could think of, and he was probably. He, could, he will go down. I mean, there's no way we'll never be able to prove it, but he, I think he'll go down as the most underutilized athlete of the Kirk Ferentz era. Yeah, I think he did have had like 20 receptions one year, but he should have been in like that 30 to 40 range. This is not a Damon Powell podcast, though, but I think having someone like Smith-Marset, someone like Powell, like I haven't quite seen that from Tracy Regani. They have kind of what what we've heard as like short area quickness and I think there's some of that that we've seen from those two in game action I think the thing I that's really stuck out about Tracy for me is he is like a bowling ball to tackle uh he had that kind of skinny post where he got it and I think he broke three or four tackles I'm like ooh, that's kind of nice to see he's a redshirt freshman right yep and is Regani right yeah so him and Regani are both the same year uh, so there's more competition between those two guys, too. Hopefully they'll both get better, and hopefully maybe Tracy can take his punt returning job. But uh, the, this wide receiver room, man, people were saying the, going into this year that this is the most talented wide receiver room that Kirk Ferentz has ever had, and I was so quick to remind people that Cavante Martin-Manley, Marvin McNutt, and um, DJK were once a thing. <laughs> Um, but right now, man, they, I'm not going to be surprised if and when, uh, they break whatever those, those three, three, three guys' totals were. And not even to mention, um, the, uh, the, the guy from Keenan Davis, too. Was in yeah, that mix I, as well. I think the individual talent of McNutt and DJK is still surpasses you can't any touch DJK, I think. single guy that we've got on this. I, I, I'll stand for Marvin McNutt. I, I think yeah. he was kind of complete. He was a little bigger, too, which yeah. um, was certainly something to take into consideration. But I think they have kind of the potential to be there. Like, I, I mean, looking at the pass chart that I think uh, – I can't think of his handle right off hand. I think it's TNELS22. He puts them together every week. Iowa just attacked the left side – of um, the Rutgers defense, and I think it was largely Brandon Smith. He only had two catches, but he drew a couple penalties as well. Um, you know, you kind of see, and maybe this is what 
we're actually seeing in terms of, oh, Iowa has weapons, let's use the weapons. It, it feels maybe a little more scratched where it itches than it did Ooh. in the past. It feels a little more. Uh, yeah. I, I think I'm kind of ready to declare that. Uh, but I still kind of want to see it against a team like Iowa State. Um, because to me, this is kind of the best team that Iowa would have played within the first three games of a season. Uh, in a while, maybe Pitt 2015 is one. I mean, if we're going to be super cynical. Oh, yeah. N- uh, North Dakota State <laughs> in 2016. <laughs> um, but I-, I think this is a real test uh, for Iowa coming up. And, and I-, I think... Um, Brian is very gung-ho about this game in general. So uh, that's kind of my overall outlook. I, I have a couple other things I did like. How about you, Ben? Uh, you bring up a good point on Scratch Where It Itches. It's funny. Um, one of my good friends came over to October, came over for the second half of the game while before he went out, before he left. Uh, he came over yesterday while I was blogging. And he he doesn't know much about college football or anything. He kept on asking why uh, he thought Brian Ferentz was a head coach because he thought because <laughs> no because they were showing him so much more than Kirk on TV and I think to you know the untrained viewer that um, it's I think that's a really interesting uh, observation honestly and he's right they were showing they probably if you could go back and I, I did notice today when I was rewatching they showed Brian a lot more than they showed Kirk um, didn't they didn't it feel like it at least so it kind of does feel like he is taking, uh, getting a lot more responsibility. The leash is being loosened a little bit, um, and I, I like what I'm seeing so far. I, you know, the the guys on the uh, the, 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 the Spoko Radio, they, uh, you know, Jerry, he he likes Brian more than I like anybody else. I know. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he's growing on me. I was really, really skeptical of his abilities as a play caller and a, and a coach, but he's, um, you know, two, it's fucking two games in. Iowa State is going to be make or break time. Uh, but, yeah, I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to Jordan Hansen dropping his rewatch this week to look at the snap counts and to, um, when he gets to the nitty gritty about how guys were used and how they attacked the left side, like you said. Um, and it's interesting you bring that up because I was looking at these, re-looking at these stats, and Brandon Smith uh, only had two catches. It felt like he had at least five. He was targeted quite a bit. Um, only 22 yards, but I still, I still like what he brings. He had that personal um, foul, the, what, the game is conduct early in the first mm-hmm. half, and I love see- I fucking love seeing that, especially out of an Iowa wide receiver, getting a misconduct for blocking too hard. Give me that, baby, all day. That's what I want out of my wide receivers. Yeah, and I think this might get to why we're not seeing Oliver Martin as much, and I want to credit Stoops with this uh, kind of in our discussion throughout the game, emailing him back and forth. When you watch even Tracy and Reganey, like, they hit guys when they're blocking, and... They're kind of both, I mentioned it before with Tracy, like he's kind of built like a brick shit house. Regani's a little um, more stout, but when you look at Martin, he's maybe a little more finesse. He's got like that route running acumen that we haven't necessarily seen him take advantage of yet. Um, and I think him being behind blocking, as uh, cliche as it might be, maybe that's actually what's keeping him off. Or 
maybe more importantly, that's what's keeping Tracy and Reganey on, is they're just, they're going after guys. And if you are hitting cornerbacks, like, I don't, like, if I'm on the outside if I'm a cornerback. I don't want to get hit. That's why I'm out here. I want to <laughs> either do the hitting or I want to ball hawk. Uh, so I think, like, when you're bringing that to um, a cornerback, I think that that can really kind of instill a mentality that, hey, what is it, smart, physical, tough, or whatever they have um, in the new tunnel. Um, you know, I think that's part of being just, like, having that program mentality. Um, so, yes, it was against Rutgers. It was against um, uh, Miami of Ohio. But I think that Iowa's offense is trending up. And, in, and this is probably a discussion for once we get to the end of the season, but I almost wonder if, like, two tight ends is too many. Like, that's something that I'm thinking about right now um, in, in terms of how this offense looks versus how the offense looked last year. Are you saying two tight ends was too many last year? or Yeah, yeah, and and, and huh. I, that's just something I'm thinking about. Like, I, I know mm. it's a hot mm. take. It's something percolating for me. Um We'll see. Like, I mean, I, I just, I'm kind of thinking about it. I'm like, it's, it's just like, it's very interesting to me. I would know why what tight ends had a reception yesterday. Only two targets, I think. Which, I mean, this, it's crazy how different these stats are kind of falling. It's um, like two different teams. And really, to, to Brian Ferentz's credit, that's what it should be. Uh, yeah, kind of going through. I was charting the plays um, earlier today, and there were actually seven plays I saw where there were no tight ends on the field before we got to garbage time, um, which is kind of wild. Uh, yeah, we. I mean, we probably ran five wide more than I can ever remember Iowa running five wide. Yeah, I, I, the personnel on there was not necessarily five wide receivers, but was there the, ever a tight end out there five wide? I know I was. Makai Sargent was always out there, or a running back was when we were five wide. There was always at least one one, one running back. Was there was a, actually one where it was Brady Waras out wide. Oh and my cousin! What's up, me, Brady? Yeah, what's up, Brady? Uh, so that was uh, something that I, I saw. Um, it's very. It's just kind of. It's interesting to see for me. Like I, I think it's credit to Brian Ferentz, but it's also hedging on the competition because. I think Rutgers has an athleticism that is probably unique to the teams that Iowa will play against. Um, but I'm also not sure that that athleticism necessarily translates to football athleticism or football acumen. How do you think? What do you think we're going to see if any? How much of this offense we're going to see next week against Iowa State? This week against Iowa State. I mean, I think it's going to have to be a lot of three wide stuff. I yeah. think we're probably going to see a similar amount of splits that we had before, but I don't expect anything to look more different than what we've seen so far. Um, but we have seen some interesting plays where uh, this is, I think, a, a spread concept where you'll take one running back in the backfield, you'll motion them kind of behind the quarterback before snapping. We've seen that a couple of times this season. Maybe we see more of that mixed in. Um, I don't think we'll see, like, Sam Laporta come out of nowhere and be a weapon against 
Iowa State. I think we ultimately see, if anything, is less vanilla. It's the defense uh, against Iowa State. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I wasn't really paying very close attention to how I was using cash um, yesterday. I was paying really close attention to the defensive line and sort of how we were blitzing and who the personnel out there. We can talk. We haven't said anything about the defense yet. We can hold that off now if we want. Um, I think I don't know how many times we blitzed yesterday, but I, you know, we didn't really have to do much to stop Rutgers. I think we're gonna get. I think I agree. We're gonna get pretty creative defensively next week, and I hope we do. I hope we just fucking smother these guys um, because we the defensive line. I don't know how Iowa State's offensive line is. I'm assuming they're good. They've always have a pretty underrated offensive line. Um, they're a pretty good one, and but I just think and I, Rutgers probably Miami of Ohio's offensive line was probably better than Rutgers if we're being honest. Um, but the the guys just ate AJ Epinesa, um, even double teams for whatever fucking reason they ran three straight rollouts to AJ Epinesa's side yesterday. Um, God, I really hope Iowa State does that, but I trust Matt Campbell smarter than that. Yeah, Ben, uh, I I agree. I think um, we don't see them do quite as many dumb things. But the one thing that I have kind of paid attention to. Um, with the Iowa State game uh, uh, last week was their line, they kind of talked up wanting it to be improved, and it really wasn't all that improved. Um, So uh, do you want to look ahead? Uh, But I think we ought to take a break right now and um, come back right after these messages. Looking for Iowa State tickets? At me, at RenBoss23, because actually I'm looking. Please. That's the ad. And welcome back. (laughs) Uh, Ben, I I think we we do have some things that maybe we didn't like. Um, For me, it's kind of very nitpicky almost. Um, But what what sticks out uh, this past week that you didn't like? Absolutely the clock management at the end of the first half. Um what was it? There's 90 seconds left. Iowa had, was it first or second down? Within they their, had first and goal. First and goal on the eight-yard line, six-yard line? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And, goal. <laughs> and they ran how many plays, Harrison? They ran two plays. They ran two plays. with two, And they did, and wait, in football, do timeouts carry over from half to half? They don't, Ben. Oh, they don't. And has this happened before with Kirk Ferentz? Has this been a problem before, clock management? Kirk Ferentz's shining moment is based on his inability to manage the clock. My God, that is... And nobody... I read his... I went through his press conference, because I asked you this in the Slack. Nobody asked him about clock management. At least, maybe maybe I missed... Maybe it wasn't in the transcript, because, you know, Iowa sports information has been known to remove some more... um, uh, how should I say, controversial questions in the transcripts before. Uh, Wait, what? Oh, yeah. They oh, wow. To- I mean, I don't want to name names, but they totally, if there is a controversial question, and or if, um, like, maybe Kirk says something persnickety, they'll remove his answer or the question from the transcript, absolutely. I, I will say, though, like, I think any question about clock management would be totally valid, and removing it 
would be incredibly petty. I can see like if him being. I don't think they did because we definitely would have seen about it, seen it on Twitter. Um, yeah. But like but nobody. Like, ho- it's a question. Like honestly, man, how what what the fuck are you thinking? And like why why isn't Brian yelling at him? Why isn't Phil yelling at him? Why isn't dude, this, fucking Nate Stanley yelling at him? Maybe do you think maybe it's Nate's fault? Like maybe. No, it's not fucking uh, Nate's fault. I'm not blaming. I'm not pu- fucking putting this on a 21 no. year old. This, uh, Kirk Ferentz has been coaching football at Iowa as long as Nate Stanley's been alive. He should fucking yes. know how to manage this fucking clock. I need to stop swearing. Christ. No, no. I mean, it, it's it, the, the point's valid though. Like, I I don't mind only coming away with three points there. Like, but to not run three not plays try. before a field goal, that is just it is really bad clock management. Um, they got away with it because they were playing Rutgers. I, I almost wonder, if I'm going conspiracy theory, my conspiracy theory, and this ties into a Tyler Kluver tweet, is they wanted to see what a formation, or how someone would defend a potential fake formation. Um, that's I would have been so thing. mad if we ran a fake. Yeah. <laughs> like we did against uh, Minnesota. Yeah. Hey, let's pull out all of our trickery for Rutgers. To, to rub it in Chris Ash, uh, a Tomo, Iowa native, rub it in his face. No, it would have been super weird. It'd be, I, I think ultimately, though, like I think they were prepared to run that fake, but Rutgers aligned in a way that was not beneficial to the fake. That That's kind of my ultimate take, is they were prepared to run it. It wasn't necessarily a, let's just see how someone's going to look. I think it was, if they present you with this look... You go and run it. My guess is it was probably a play to the the lineman on the left side who split out. That is my prediction. Weird. I'm not going to disagree because I still don't fully understand. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'll take any and all conspiracies. I'm a big tinfoil hat guy. So, uh, I do – so that's my biggest gripe, and I think we agree. That's the – Biggest thing is clock management. Um, what did you have something else that stuck out you with you that uh, uh, ground your gears a little bit? Well, I, I, the inconsistent run game, like the stats, don't necessarily back that up. But to me, the one that is kind of wild is the third down efficiency. I haven't run the numbers in terms of like average it's distance bad. that Iowa had to go on third down, and obviously field position plays a part of this. Yada yada yada. But two of thirteen is not good. Um, they did get twenty three touchdowns or 20, 23 touchdowns. Wow, that'd be record setting. Uh, twenty three first downs. So they were moving the ball, um, and obviously field position played a part into that. They were, I don't know, field position always feels a little bit like an excuse, um, but it is part of the game. Uh, but two of thirteen, man, like that's just. Ugh. That's not good. That's not going to beat any other team but Rutgers. Absolutely not. What was it against Miami of Ohio? Do you remember off the top of your head? Um, it was actually pretty good. Uh, I'm close to this. It was nine of fourteen. Okay, I mean that's great. Nine of fourteen is incredible. Yeah. So we're gonna take it. I mean, I think you you even it out. Um, and what's that? Eleven of twenty-seven. Ah, even that's not very good. So, ugh. yeah. But they were two of three on fourth down. I guess those were probably garbage time. 
Well, the first well. fourth down, I think, when it was just short of midfield, maybe our 44, 45-yard line, right. I was shocked that we went for it. Absolutely shocked. Was that, was that a mistake? I don't think so. What makes you think the, it was a mistake? The way the line reacted on that play, it was literally just Linda, oh, the, Linderbaum. Oh, it was a weird hand. You're right, Stanley. it was a weird handoff. Um, I don't think it was a mistake. I just think it was they. I think I just chalked it up to Linderbaum being green around the gills. Okay, maybe though. Hmm. But anyways, like I, I don't know. I, I think the other thing to, and this isn't something that like you can't nitpick this, but like the DBs going down like flies. I don't like that. Hankins looked like he got dinged up uh, in his upper body. Um, Geno Stone obviously with. That weird-looking knee injury sounds like he's okay, but apparently he's um, fine though. Yeah, I, I'm just on high alert now. Then whether it was a scratch, yeah. Uh, I'm interested to see the snap counts to see how, who which backup corners played. I don't remember seeing Riley Moss out there at all yesterday. Was he? No, he's he's out four to six weeks. He got injured on special teams against Miami of Ohio. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, lost a lot of brain cells in Scottsdale. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, I guess we're gonna we're gonna hopefully these you know uh, younger guys that uh, you know Phil's just been nurturing are ready to play a little bit earlier than we hope. Uh, Jack Kerner in for Kayvon Merriweather. I mean, I don't think I ever heard his name once called once, which is a good thing, right? He's that is a good thing. I, I'm I'm on that side of the fence in terms of like, oh, didn't hear Jack Kerner. Never, That's good. Yeah, never noticed how he played. I mean, and I really didn't notice how Gino played at all either until the injury. I don't think they called his name once until he got hurt. He never made a huge player. He didn't really need to, though, because they had Mitch Trubisky, I mean, McLean Carter uh, there at quarterback. Ooh. Let's go. Let's Ooh. go. Ooh. I mean, I'm going to – I'm like, <laughs> hey, I'm a Packers fan. I'm going to take as many bad Mitch Trubisky performances as I can, especially against the Packers. But, like, you look at it, Iowa had – I, I, I think it was only three or four drives that Rutgers had that went past three plays. Um, the leading tackler was Christian Welch and with eight, Jimon Colbert with five. Um, he was awesome. I'm really happy he had that interception. I think he's he kind of makes the, the defense tick a little bit. I think there's a lot of guys in this defense that make it tick, and I think he's an unsung hero. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that I almost predicted was like, I, I don't know if this was in the comments or just me to myself, um, but he's kind of the guy that he's a basically a big defensive back now. Um, I thought he was for sure going to play cash this year. Yeah, uh, but he's he's really kind of taken in that, that linebacker role, and I think with a really strong year, he might be kind of a stealth guy that could leave early, uh, especially if I was good. He's making high-profile plays. Um, but five tackles, I was concerned going into the game. I wrote about it with the matchup. Just, um, you know, these guys have skills uh, on Rutgers. Like, they're very fast. They're shifty. And really, like, you kind of live with uh, 16 carries, 72 yards between Pacheco and Blackshear. Um, Blackshear, he was... A big reception guy, but he had four for negative one yards. Um, Pacheco got loose on a wheel route, I think, um, for 23 yards is what uh, the box score is saying. Um, I was afraid, and like... They were 9 for 41 passing total overall. That is so bad. Oh, 9 for 26 for 41 yards. 
Oh, I, I meant, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, 41 yards. But it, like, it, yeah. it kind of makes me feel even better going into the Iowa State game. I, like, we can nitpick 30-0 to zero all we want. And was, I, I think I said something to Christina to disrespect, and she's like, why would you nitpick this? Like, ugh. So, I, I don't know. Like, as we turn to Iowa State, I, I'm not sure they have better skill guys than Rutgers. I, that's something that I could very well have bite me in the rear end uh, next week. But I, I think that this was kind of a good test for uh, Iowa State's offense. Obviously, Brock Purdy is better than uh, McLean Trubisky and uh, Mitch Sitkowski. Um <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, like, I, I'm kind of... Is he, though? I'm kind of optimistic. I mean, the, the thing is, they David Montgomery, it's clear how good he was based on how dumb uh, Matt Nagy Matt was is, to yeah. not play uh, him as much as he did. Like, he, he had, what, maybe ten touches? Fewer than that. And he's... And, and, so... And he made an impact in every single one. Um, so not having that for Iowa State, I, I think, is a big deal. And not having a matchup nightmare like Hakeem Butler against an Iowa secondary that is kind of spotty. Michael Ojemudia looks like the best defensive back, which is not it's something not close. I was prepared to think right now. Right. Um, I like it. I trust him. Like, it's nice to have yeah, one guy... Fine. Uh, that that you're willing to to have on one side, but it's just like it's it's just such a weird defense that um, I'm kind of optimistic because I'm I'm not necessarily sure that Iowa State can exploit the weaknesses of Iowa's defense. So I think I I mean I am actually I think Brock Purdy is obviously is much better than whoever the hell was being trotted out by Rutgers. So I am nervous on the defensive backs, no matter how much pressure we can get. Uh, Purdy probably has the ability to pick apart Iowa's backfield, defensive backfield, and I don't know anything about Iowa State's wide receivers, but I'm willing to bet that they're of equal talent to Purdue's uh, core from the past two years outside of Rondale Moore. Uh, so that is a little worrisome, but you know maybe we're going to have another shootout like two years ago and uh, maybe point... Uh, you know, favor Iowa, and if we're going to get another shootout, that'd be a blast. Um, the before I went out yesterday, we went to a friend's house near Oktoberfest, and he was a, he was a Hawkeye, and he was having sort of a pregame before he we went to the festival, and it was full of Hawkeyes. Um, his siblings had went to Iowa too, and they were there, and they're all older, and they knew. Um, I'm sort of involved with like, Iowa media to the to quote them. Um, and they had all, they had all, and I think I know, I think the answer to this question is blatantly obvious, and I'll pose it to you, but they all thought, they were all, what, what do you, do you think it benefits Iowa State? Do you think, would, it, do you th- would you rather have Iowa State played a game this week? Since they had a bye. I actually, I think Iowa gained more by playing this week than Iowa State gained by not playing. I think without question, you would want to play a game this week, this early in the season. I would say, I'm not exaggerating, probably 80% of the people there, so maybe like, you know, five or six of the people that we had this conversation with, um, 
they all thought that it was a very unfair advantage to Iowa State to have a, for Iowa State to have a bye this week. I think, I think everybody at Iowa State, I think Iowa State fans, I think the coaching staff and the players wish they played a game because you need a shaking. Rust is real. We saw it in the Miami of Ohio game. Iowa State saw it in the Northern Iowa game. I think they would have benefited greatly. I think any team in the country would have benefited greatly playing the second game this early in the year. And I think um, one of my greatest causes for optimism is that Iowa has 60 more minutes of football under their belt uh, going into um, this week. So I'm, you know, that's to me, I think that's flying under the radar for reasons why we should be optimistic for the Hawkeyes. Yeah, I, I think if I'm an Iowa State fan, I'm... I would have been very happy with a bye week if I can smoke you and I the week before. Like if it's a if it's a forty two to right. that, that's fourteen also fair. type of game where the offense just steamrolls you and I the the concerns we had as an Iowa State fan of like the defensive line those are gone or excuse me the offensive line their defensive line is going to be very a very good challenge. Um, I, I would have fell in this hypothetical scenario that that would have made me feel better with a bye week. Um, in terms of uh, just having the week off, I-, I think it does maybe benefit Iowa State in the sense that, hey, maybe they held a little bit back. Brock Purdy had just two rushes um, for uh, uh, not even positive yardage, um, negative uh, 11 yards, uh, sacked once. Um, so I think that, yeah, I think an Iowa State fan would have preferred them to play another game just because that first game was not very good. And they always, kind of the thing you say is like the biggest, um, improvement is from week one to week two. Um, and and that may well be, but I would have rather seen more, I would have rather had a true week two instead of this super early bye. Like, very, very kind of weird. Yeah, and I mean, normally it is super... I'm, I, was, I looked ahead at Iowa's schedule, and it, I don't think Iowa has a week two bye through 2025, which I'm very glad about. Is, is this a, the first year that that's happened? Northwestern had a bye, I saw uh, this week. Is this... I don't remember teams ever having a week two bye. I think that's bullshit, if you ask me. Yeah, I think what, what it's been a function of, and Scott Dachterman wrote about it on Friday, was um, playing conference games earlier. So they've spread the nine games, which I do like. Like, I like playing better teams more often. How, 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 <laughs> what a hot take, right? Um, but, but, like, I, I think that that's been part of it. Um, but Michigan was off week one. Um, I, I think it is to these teams benefits because I think you're right Northwestern didn't play this week after going to Stanford which will allow them to play Notre Dame later in the season so I think in terms of overall schedule flexibility what they've done is a good thing if you like conference teams playing other conference teams or being able to schedule kind of these weirder one-off high-level matchups um but Ultimately, kind of getting back to the point, I'm very glad that Iowa has kind of these two games before Iowa State because, like, I've seen kind of what I want to see out of the defensive line from week one to week two. I would have felt very uncomfortable if Iowa hadn't done any kind of stunts or um, 
blitzes in week one, had this week off, and then had to execute it against Iowa State. Um, I, I think that that also, putting that on tape is kind of a big deal. Um, I, I think it, as much as anything, it's just creating chaos. And the more chaos that Iowa can kind of create, um, to me, is a good thing. And the more that Iowa can make Iowa State think about preparation is a good thing. Yeah, I think on defense, I mentioned the things I was watching most closely was the defensive line. I can't take my eyes off of Davion Nixon. He uh, I, he needs to get more snaps because he was starting to draw double teams, and I think he was on the field where A.J. Epinesa got his first sack, and he actually drew the double team. It was either him or Golston. Maybe Golston was, maybe was on the interior. I can't quite remember, but either he or Golston drew the double team that freed up A.J. Epinesa to get his first sack of the year. Uh, I think Nixon's going to end up with a really, really fine season if he can get the snaps. Um, Amani Jones didn't generate the rush that I was hoping he would. It doesn't seem like he's there quite yet. Maybe you notice something different. Uh, but Chauncey Golston and A.J. Epinesa, I'm prepared to say, are uh, you'd be hard to find a better defensive end tandem in the country. Those guys are. They're, they're real. They're absolutely real. And, um, <clears throat> and then Brady Reef is you know just a solid, solid player. So I'm hoping. Not to mention Lattimore too. Like Lattimore mm-hmm. against Miami of Ohio. Uh, I can't remember who pointed this out, but um, I saw somewhere where he was like, he was sideline to sideline mm-hmm. against Miami of Ohio. So I, I think Iowa has a very good defensive line. They haven't seen the depth I necessarily want to see, but like if if you're gonna play two teams fifty snaps two straight weeks, like you don't need any freaking depth, Ben. Right. That's true. Um... Hoping we can get some more creative, more a little more creative with blitz packages. I only remember Ben Neiman's blitz uh, yesterday. I, I, did we blitz much at all? I really. I think there was there was also a Christian Welch blitz, mm-hmm. but that was without kind of the number one line, if I remember. Um, so and we didn't need a blitz. So yeah, mm-hmm. and I think you mentioned Imani Jones. I think the thing that concerns me about him is he has like one speed, and against a a quarterback like Purdy, that kind of scares me, Um, just because, hey, if we get into a third and long situation, and... Oh, contain, you think he'll be tough? I I think he's susceptible to, like, a third and 14 run-pass option type of play, where... Why are you willing this into the stratosphere right now? Well, I'm just I'm just saying that things that scare me, Ben. I, I know right. it's like I say it and, it, it and then I get in trouble for speaking it into existence. No, I'm just saying like I think that that's probably one area where we haven't necessarily seen Iowa be super successful or at least challenged in terms of how can they contain a super mobile quarterback. I think Miami of Ohio, he was a more mobile quarterback, and there was no game tape on him, so it's like, I mean, you just play that safe, you trust that he's going to make mistakes, and to, to little Gabbert's credit, that guy really didn't make any mistakes. Um, but I think against a per- player like Purdy, this is probably where Iowa State does benefit, is if they know what he can do without Butler and Montgomery, um, then they can unleash that against Iowa. But I also think that Iowa's defense, I w- I'm afraid of the 4-3, but watching last night, 
or yesterday during the day, like I'm kind of okay with the four three. Like those guys yeah. are veterans. Yeah. And scratching I, I scratching where it itches works both ways. You're exactly right. Um, if the eleven best defenders are four defensive linemen, three linebackers, and four defensive backs, do that. Do that. Go down with the army you have, not with the one you don't. Ooh, that's good. Um, I have nothing else, really. Did we? I have nothing else written down. Do you? Ah, uh, not really. I mean, it's it's early, obviously, in the week. Yeah. Um, uh, do we need to mention this game day stuff? Oh yeah, man! I game guess, day. Yeah. Let's fucking go. Damn, yeah, who, brought it up. Who 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 benefits more from it being game day? I guess that maybe that's a question we can end with. Um, I mean Iowa State. Obviously, they're hosting. They've never hosted before. Um, I don't. I don't. You know, I'm not gonna buy into the little brother bullshit. I'm not gonna. Good for them. I'm really happy. I'm going. I think it's gonna be. You know. I don't have tickets yet, but I have, I've got a car and i got a place to sleep. I'd really like to go to the game. Tickets right now, the cheapest on SeatGeek and StubHub are in the five to $600 range for the nosebleeds. Um, so I'm going to go with two or $300 in my pocket and try and see if I can maybe get a ticket after kickoff for cheap. Or I mean, I'm cool as long as I'm in the stadium. I don't care. Uh, where are they going to – I've been to the Ames campus quite a bit. Where are they going to set up shop? Well, uh, our favorite tweeter, Jamie Pollard, said that they're going to do it, I guess, at one of the end zones. Um, Is that normal? Like, So how so people I, aren't going to... How are they going to do it? No, no, so it'll be, like, outside oh, of it. Oh, Like, okay. I guess there's a grassy area, a grassy knoll, Oh, there is a grassy... Will. Yeah, there is the... I don't know what direction that'd be. <laughs> um, uh, conspiracy podcast. Yeah. Ooh, we should start. <laughs> no, I, I guess I think for... For me, I do think it. I think this is going to be. We find out what Nate Stanley is. Like we know yeah. who he is, but if we can find out like what type of player he is, if he's turned a leaf, this is the week, and this is this the game that can set it up. Now, whether Iowa wins or loses, I, I think that that's maybe irrespective of mm-hmm. the player we find out Nate Stanley to be. But I think what we've seen in the past, if there's kind of hype, I'm not sure he necessarily embraces it. I think that that's something that is part of just, like, the maturation process for him is to not downplay it as just another game, but embrace it for the game that it is. And ultimately, this game doesn't matter, I think, Ben, is kind of the, the, the ultimate point. But to me, it matters so much because it can kind of set the tone for Iowa's season at large and Nate Stanley's season at large. And I kind of have high hopes because you look at the Iowa State play perspective, the fans will be going crazy all week. The players will be in class with students who are super hyped. It's going to be hard for them to maybe contain it or embrace it in the same way. Um, But I I think ultimately this is... This is an exciting time to be both an Iowa and Iowa State fan, and my only real interaction with them is online on Twitter in the worst place and best website at times. Um, so, so you get kind of both sides of it, uh, but I think it should be 100% embraced, and I think it's very exciting for both schools for game day to be there. 
Yeah, I'm really hoping that the mood isn't argumentative among the fans there. I'm, I'm actually going to be tailgating. Uh, one of my very best friends from high school went to Iowa State. I'll be with him. He's going to the game. And then uh, uh, one of my, my college roommates, one of his best friends from high school, actually played at Iowa State uh, while we were there. Um, he was a letterman there for the team, and I'm going to be tailgating with him too, and I'm going to be staying with him actually. And, uh, I mean, they're great. They're, you know, they're some of my best friends. I really hope that, you know, I'm not going to be an asshole unless somebody's been an asshole to me first. Uh, I'm really, every, in both, I, this has been my third Iowa State game. I went to two as a student. And I, I've never, I never saw anything or experienced anything. I've only, I only, I've only had great experiences in Ames other than, uh, I think it was the Iowa State basketball game. I went to the Hilton Coliseum in 2014, maybe, um, and I had a pretty bad experience with a fan, with an Iowa State fan there. Um, but I think it was mostly the alcohol talking on his side. Uh, so I'm, I'm just hope, I'm hoping for a great time. I think it's like, it's a total bucket list thing, man. Uh, Iowa State college game day. Too bad both teams can't be ranked. But uh, <laughs> we uh, we can't have it all. Uh, that's another thing. If Iowa State had a game this week and won, they'd definitely probably be ranked. Um, <laughs> Iowa State, they lost to the bye week. They did. Um, so I can't wait. Uh, <laughs> who the fuck are they going to get to be the guest picker? I think you have to go George and Yang. I just think, I think that's... It's a niche pick, but he's the the guy who is kind of the most cyclone. The one that would crack me up is if they went to Fred Hoiberg. I think that would be kind of funny as the head coach it of really funny. Nebraska. Um, but I think if we still think, a Bulls coach, would be a no brainer. But now I don't know if they can yeah. do it. Yeah, I almost wonder could would they be dumb enough to try and get Dan Gable to be the guest picker? That would be insanity. But I oh. think George Yang, to me, someone from that team is kind of the the one that you have to pick because. Why do you think it'd be I dumb mean, if they get Dan Gable? Like he could be. I mean, obviously. he doesn't associate with Iowa State. I know. Yeah, I guess. He said the biggest mistake of his life was going there. Yeah. So. I suppose. He would have. He would break the the one rule that we just set today, which is don't be an asshole. You're right. And on that note. We bid everyone adieu. Thanks for sticking around for close to an hour. Uh, ben, enjoy your week. It's a quick hour. Uh, fun talk. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's fun when Iowa wins. And I think it's fun when, when both these teams have an appropriate amount of hype going into it. So, um, go Hawks and... Fuck State, but don't be an asshole. <laughs>